another episode of the Infinite Banter Podcast. I am Mark Jolliffe. Thanks for checking in. Thanks for subscribing, listening to past episodes. This week, I want to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. Just saw it this weekend. want to give my thoughts on that movie. Also want to talk about the anniversaries of a couple of my favorite all-time albums. Eric Bean Rock, Kim's Paid in Full, Public Enemies Takes the Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Also want to talk about the shocking news that The Walking Dead comic book is done, over with, and I just recently watched the latest episode of Fear of the Walking Dead, so we can talk about that as well, and a few other things. And as always, you can find the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Mixcloud, CastBox, Blueberry, Podcast.com, and always check out the show on Twitter at Infinite Banter. My personal Twitter account is DJ Soundwave75. I always post on there, Instagram, DJ Soundwave75, and on Facebook at Infinite Banter. So before we start the show, as always, the one and only DMC, make it official. Yo, yo, what's up? This is me, DMC, the K-I-N-G, the greatest MC in history. And right now, you're listening to Infinite Banter, because we will banter on forever, because this is the only place for all of y'all to ever be. I be Infinite Banter. So it's 4th of July weekend. I hope everybody bought a new mattress. Um, Cut yourself a new box spring for whatever reason. That's what people do on these holidays is that they go barbecue, go to the beach, get fireworks, whatever. And apparently you need a mattress. (laughs) Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July, President's Day, Pulaski Day. I don't know. Whatever holiday comes around, people always need to go get themselves a new mattress. So I hope you guys got that new mattress. Congratulations. Happy birthday, America. Gotta talk about this Walking Dead thing that happened. Um, so the comic book is done, apparently. I have the comic issue here. I have not yet read it. I just got it yesterday. Issue 193. Out of nowhere, the day before, or maybe it was the day of, that the comic book comes out, they drop the news that this thing is done, finished, no more. It was never pushed this way that the book that killed Rick in 192 was going to lead to an ending of the series. So kind of shocking crazy to hear about Uh, shout out to my man Noel who does a lot of the artwork for the show he found me the book got it for me thankfully because I would not have been able to get it because apparently you know dudes have to buy 10 copies at the comic shop and people like myself have to go to work and can't get there until six seven o'clock at night have no chance of getting the issues before they're all sold out so thanks to him for grabbing one for me I look forward to reading it now it's uh, thick it's like a graphic novel it's got to be like three or four comics worth of material in that one book so they definitely went out with a bang and i'm not sure how this affects the show i don't know if it necessarily does i think what will happen eventually is that the show will catch up to the book and they're going to start writing their own material because they're going to outlive the source material the book is at least probably about three seasons or so beyond where the show is currently and the show now will finally catch up to the book And it'll get to a point where the show is going to have to come up with their new own material that has no source material to pull from unless there's some sort of spinoff or there's something else in the works that we are not privy to right now. But as of right now, Walking Dead comic book is done. I have not yet read it, so I don't have a review to give about the final book. The cover is pretty cool. It's got a picture of a farmhouse, and it looks like a, a walker's hand is coming towards the farmhouse. I don't think there's anything to do with Herschel's farmhouse, but looks pretty cool. I'll read it. Maybe I'll talk about it next uh, next time I do a podcast. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have it because I, I hear, hear these things are going for a lot on the internet. So I'm not going on eBay and spending $30, $40 for this thing. It's only supposed to be $3.99. So if you haven't gotten yours yet, talk to your local comic shop. Talk to you, whoever you do to get your comics. Like I said, my guy, Noel, he's like my drug dealer for comic books and toys. If I need something, 
dude comes through and he gets it for me. Yeah, it, I'm not spending that much money for a book that should only cost $4. But book comes out that's really high regard, high demand, low supply. Go ahead and get yourself a copy if you still can. And uh, I'll probably talk about it in the next podcast, get a chance to read it and have more thoughts on it. But I'm definitely shocked that the book is done. Surprised to hear that. I don't know how this affects the show, like I said. I mean, I think the show and the book are, they used to be kind of synonymous with each other, but they really have gone different paths, what they've done with Rick and certain characters, especially Carl. So I don't know what this means for the show. It might have really nothing to do with it. There's a part of me that wonders if Kirkman quit doing the book because he didn't like what the show was doing. And this is his way of saying, you know what, you guys are screwing up my material. I'm not doing the book anymore, so go ahead. You know, I got enough money coming in from the show. I don't have to do this anymore. I could be way wrong on that, but this is just, you know, my first initial thought. I'll have to read the book. I'm sure there's some uh, stuff in there that Kirkman might mention about why he's not doing it anymore, but total shock, you know, and I haven't had much of a chance to really delve into it because, you know, I got a three-week-old baby, so it's taken up a lot of my time, and I haven't had a chance to read the book yet, but looking forward to it. I'm going to wait about a week, read it, and talk about it in the next podcast because I feel like if I talk about it now, a lot of people haven't read it yet. It's hard to find the book and it's better to just let it sit for a little while, talk about it next time. And then everybody, at least there won't be much spoilers with it. So, but I will talk about Fear of the Walking Dead. It's not as good as The Walking Dead, of course. It's a spinoff show and it hasn't really generated the interest that I thought it would for me personally. I watch every episode. I'm somewhat excited about it every week, but you know, my interest level is starting to dip. And I've called the show Morgan and Friends for a while now, and it's essentially what it is. Now they have Dwight on there and not really sure what they're doing with this character because he's just kind of moping around looking for his wife. The whole kid angle is really not really grabbing me. This Children of the Corn uh, angle that's going on with the show. It's Tonight's episode, for instance, the whole episode is around them building a plane. It's just ridiculous to me that this all of a sudden this ragtag group of people are just going to copy and paste some plane together it's just like it's just ridiculous i don't i I don't i don't really understand the premise of this show uh the kids themselves were like tying zombies together with their intestines to keep people out so they would be safe there's a a radiation plant nearby that has zombies that if you try to kill them the blood can affect you and they've completely not even done anything with the storyline from the first episode where morgan and crew's old stomping grounds or base or whatever you want to call it was taken over and they've done nothing with that story it's just completely been dropped I'm not saying I don't like the show I'm just saying that I'm kind of not losing I'm kind of losing interest in my excitement level for it it really is not the same as The Walking Dead which is kind of goes without saying but honestly like the writing is it gets a little lackluster at times and I kind of lose focus on what exactly they're trying to do with this show it's just, it's very scattered. It's, I don't get half of what they're doing. I'll watch it, you know, because I'm, I'm hooked. It's just like Star Wars, man. You put something out, I'm just a loyal fan, just going to keep watching and watching and watching it. But eventually, I'm going to get to a point where it's like, this is not really moving me. Just bring these characters to the regular Walking Dead show and just, let's just close Fear of the Walking Dead and just end it because it's not really working out. But that being said, I am kind of curious to see what happens because there is a lot of connections with Rick and the helicopter and those people. And the episode prior, there is the woman with the, it looks like the Commonwealth, but it's black instead of white. She looks like Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe, but whatever. I mean, that's that's the new look that they're using on the show, I guess, compared to the comic book version. So there's that connection is what got me interested in seeing how they're going to connect the dots here with the Rick movies and 
Walking Dead and everything else. So bottom line is the comic book is done. I'm going to read the book. Can't wait to check it out. Issue 193. I believe there's some variants out there as well. It's shocked that it's done. And as far as Fear of the Walking Dead goes, it's uh, a little bit lackluster this season, I have to admit. I'm not really feeling what they're doing so far. And they're not even doing the Talking Dead afterwards. So you don't even get the insider scoop you get from the actors and the directors and such. So we'll see how this goes. There's a couple episodes to the uh, season, mid-season finale. My assumption is with the comic book ending, it'll have zero effect on the TV show, and the TV show will go on forever and ever and ever. 20 seasons, and the comic book will have been shelled for a couple years, five, ten years, whatever it ends up being, and the show will just keep going because it's a cash cow. So we'll see. be interesting to see what happens with that. Let's do a Spider-Man review. This is Shazam McKenzie, and you're listening to the Infinite Banter Podcast. So before I talk about what I actually think about Spider-Man Far From Home which won the box office this week. $93 million I saw. It beat out Toy Story 4 and a couple other movies, Annabelle. And, of course, it came out on Tuesday, so it had a few extra days to get that amount. But before I actually talk about what I think of the movie, I have to kind of backtrack. I did not like any of the Amazing Spider-Man movies, the ones with the Garfield kid. The Maguire ones are decent. The third one was kind of trash. You know, we all know that. And then there's the two that have come out post-Civil War Captain America. I do like how they treated Spider-Man in the Civil War movie. I thought that was great. I liked the idea with him at Iron Man and all that. But unfortunately, that storyline to me has gone stagnant. And it's there's too much reliance on Iron Man as being this father figure, making the costumes, making his spider suit so techy. Aunt May being like 43 years old. Um, just the, 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 the high school thing. Here's the thing, man. I've been reading comic books a long time. I'm kind of bored and, for lack of a better way of saying it, just sick of the high school version of Peter Parker. I would really like to see a 30-year-old Spider-Man story. I'm sick and tired of teenage Peter Parker who's in love with Mary Jane and blah, 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 and he, he's not sure of himself. Like That story's been told so many times. It's, it's old. It's done. And I understand that I'm not the demographic anymore some dude in his 40s. So, yeah, I get it. They're, they're going to keep telling the the young Peter Parker story. But I wish that they would evolve and stop telling that story and have Spider-Man be a 30-year-old dude, you know, like a, just a darker tale, not just the same old, is Mary Jane going to like me or not? I don't know what to do. So bored with that. And, and it, I'm talking about it because Spider-Man is my favorite character, so I kind of wish they'd do more with him. I feel like uh, the Iron Man thing, it's, it's just too much, man. Because it's, it, you almost feel like Spider-Man has no powers. What does he do? Everything is reliant on the software and the tech and everything that Iron Man's given him. I mean, he doesn't even have Spider-Sense or whatever in this movie. So let's get into the movie here. The movie itself is fine. It, it's, it's, it's good enough. I, 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 a lot of people like it. They like it probably way more than I ever will. It's called Far From Home. I'm far from interested in seeing it a second time or telling people they need to go watch it. It's it's all right. It's whatever. It's definitely geared towards an audience. It's not me. It's the high school stuff. It's the same old crap that you've seen in just about every Spider-Man movie. It's it's all about the kids and the, the group and, yes, Iron Man again. And here's the thing about it that, that's crazy. The guy who plays Mysterio, Jake Gyllenhaal, I've said for years would be a better Peter Parker than anybody that's played him. And I'm watching this movie. I'm like, why can't they just reverse this, please? Like, let's put this Holland kid as Mysterio. 
let Gyllenhaal get the Spider-Man role. I think he'd be so great at it. He's exactly what I'm looking for. An older version of what Spider-Man is. Dare I say the the Spider-Verse movie that came out last uh, winter has been better than most of the Spider-Man movies that have ever come out. It might be, other than the maybe the first one that came out back uh, with the Sam Raimi one, it might be the, the second best one. I mean, it, that's how good it's been. But this this far from home. Here's another thing I have a complaint about. So everybody that turned to dust, you know, during the Thanos snap, it, they refer to it as the blip. Here's the thing I don't understand. When Peter Parker comes back, he's in high school. And so is everybody else. And it's supposed to be five years later. So I'm confused. Like, why are they still there? And they then they explain it, that they have to stay in school and do it all over again. This is the stupidest explanation. It's a complete debacle of you know continuity and it's it's one of the plot holes that they probably didn't figure whatever something that would they have to explain until they painted themselves in a corner and they had to come up with this at the beginning of the movie because all of his friends are supposed to be his age but they're some of them are five years older but they look the same it's, it's so just right off the bat i'm just like confused i'm like what is going on like, i don't understand any of that and most of the movies about peter parker trying to live up to tony stark and tony stark set him up to be you know this this hero that he's not ready to be yet and way too much of the happy guy, John Favreau's character. I, I, it's like, man, he's in this too much. I like the Nick Fury stuff because Samuel Jackson's so damn cool. Like you don't mind it. His stuff works. Mysterio actually was pretty good in it. Like I said, it's just, it's just getting to a point where I'm just kind of done with the high school Peter Parker. I just don't want to see it anymore. I wish they'd evolve and get to a 30-year-old version of him and have some stories that I've read that I know exist out there that they just won't do for whatever reason. And there is some cool stuff in here. I mean, there's the uh, the two post-credit scenes. They bring back J.K. Simmons to do the Jonah Jameson role, which is kind of cool. He's on a big screen in New York talking about Spider-Man's real identity is and doctored footage they showed that and it's like there's a part of me that's like well why would he care i mean they haven't introduced jonah jameson at all in this new spider-man movie version of him this new character this new timeline so it's just kind of weird to have him just show up as cool as it is as a like a reminisce thing but it kind of comes out of nowhere and you're not really expecting it and i'm just not sure why they're doing that but it sets up the next movie where I guess he's going to have a, an identity crisis because people are going to know who he is and he's got to explain himself and it looks like he killed Mysterio. Uh, it, it makes him look like the bad guy. So that part is interesting. And then there's a scroll version, another scene where the Nick Fury was actually one of the scrolls, the same guys from Captain Marvel. So Samuel Jackson's out in space somewhere. So that's those two scenes actually did more for me than the entire movie did because it does set up something coming up. I hope they do a scroll invasion movie. I hope maybe down the line they do an Avengers vs. X-Men, something like that. But it's just, you know, like I said, I, maybe I'm just old school. I just want to see Peter Parker with a camera. I want to see him work for the Bugle. I want to see him do things other than just be a little brat in high school. Like my guy Real once said, uh, back when he was on the podcast a couple of months ago, he called it the first one prom season. And that's what it feels like. It just feels like a high school movie. It's stuck in this high school thing, and it just I wish it would evolve and move, move on and do something else. As I said, it's, it's a fine movie. If you like what they've been doing with them, then you'll enjoy it. If you're like me and you just want a different version of Spider-Man, something that's a little bit more than just high school kid who wants the girl thing, if you, if you want that story, you get it. If you're like me and you want something more, you're going to be disappointed, and that's what this movie is. So Spider-Man Far From Home, um, far from uh, telling you that you need to go see it, 
But if that's what you like, if that's how you like your Spider-Man, then go ahead and check it out. If you want to see Spider-Man in an Iron Man suit, essentially, then yeah, sure, go watch the movie. It's decent, I guess. You're not going to get an endorsement from me. I don't hate it. It's just it's something I saw. If, if it wasn't for my nephew, I wouldn't even bother going to see it. I'd wait for the DVD or FX or whoever to play it, and I'd be done. Whatever. Some people are into it this way. This is what they wanted. Well, that's what you get. You can get the same stupid story over and over again. He's in high school, and he likes Mary Jane, blah, blah, blah. All right, I guess I'm going to talk about Roadhouse. Hey, this is Ada Zang, and you're listening to the Infinite Banter Podcast. So a lot of times what I'm doing now is I'm holding the baby. She's just about three weeks old now, and I'll watch something on TV for the little bit of time I get. I've, I've heard about this before, and since I'm a first-time father, I didn't know this in, you know, until I actually got to do it myself. You don't get to do a whole lot. I mean, you're like in the house all the time. I, I'm behind on shows. I'm, you know, a lot of stuff is hard to watch because you're watching it in fragments. I'm holding her, you know, flipping the TV. And one of my go-tos is always go to AMC. AMC, whenever I don't know what I want to watch, I just put AMC on. And there's some Patrick Swayze movie, the shirt off. I'm like, oh, I don't know what this is. You know, I'm feeding the baby. I'm not really paying attention. And after a couple of minutes, I'm like, this isn't Dirty Dancing. What is this? And I've never seen Roadhouse. I've heard about it. I know it's supposed to be a big deal. I've never actually watched it. And after about three or four minutes, I figured out, okay, I'm not watching Dirty Dancing. And not that I'm even a fan of that movie. I barely know anything about it. It's one of the few Patrick Swayze movies I can name. There's that one. There's the one where he's molding clay. What is that one? Ghost. And then there's uh, Point Break, which I have seen and I didn't like it because Keanu's in it and just didn't do anything for me. But I was told I was going to like it and I was kind of underwhelmed by it. Anyway, I'm watching it and I'm just thinking the whole time and I tweeted about this and I put it on Facebook. I was like, does, does this dude ever wear a shirt in this movie? The whole time I'm watching this, and it was probably only made by like 10 minutes, but it felt like the whole movie. He's shirtless the whole time. And I didn't even know this was a, an action movie until he's throwing some dude over a bar finally. I'm like, oh, this is not Dirty Dancing. This is something else. Because I had the sound down, not really paying attention. It was pretty cool to see uh, Terry Funk was in it. For your old school wrestling fans out there. Uh, he has a cameo. I could have swore I saw Keith David. I'm not 100% sure, but I thought I saw him in it. Because I didn't watch the whole thing. But uh, I just thought it was funny the whole time I watched it. I was like, does this dude ever have a shirt on? I mean, the whole time he's standing there shirtless, smoking a cigarette. And then, you know, a couple minutes later, he's dodging a knife and throwing some dude over a bar. And Sam Elliott's standing there. Hey, what are you doing there? It's, it seems like a really stupid movie. But I've been told I need to watch it. So there's like a list of... Right now, I've got three movies that I've never seen that I need to watch. Roadhouse has been added. I've never seen Bloodsports because I don't care about Van Damme. But I've been told I need to watch it. And I've seen every Bond film except for one. And that's the uh, Majesty's Secret Service or whatever it's called. These are three movies now. They're on a list that I, I guess, have to get out of my chair or couch and go to the library or download or figure out how to find these movies and watch them. And I don't know if I want to, but I've been told I need to at least see Bloodsport. Now that I've seen like 20 minutes of Roadhouse with commercials and edits, I'm kind of interested in seeing it in full with the, you know, maybe the parts that Swayze does have his shirt on. But uh, it's just it's just funny. I, I you know, I... <laughs> It's just funny because, you know, when you're, like I said, you're holding the baby. I just put on whatever I can. I try to watch a Cubs game or wrestling, and those are easier because I don't have to pay attention every second. But, you know, I didn't realize I wasn't watching Dirty Dancing. It was some kind of shirtless Swayze movie where he's in a bar telling people how to run their bars. It was, it was a 
very, very odd concept for a movie. Like I said, I've never seen it. I'm aware of it. I've seen a ton of movies in my life, and I'm kind of a movie dork, but for some reason, this movie has never been on my radar, and I'm borderline clueless as to what this movie's about, and I was told on social media, oh, you got to watch it. It's so great, and everything. So I, apparently I've missed out. Apparently I missed the boat on on Roadhouse, and I guess I need to get around to watching it someday. So it's on the list. It's up there with Bloodsport. One of these days, one of those or both of those movies will be viewed by me. Maybe I'll talk about them on here. You know, maybe I won't. I don't know. Uh, I've also been told I need to watch John Wick. I saw the first one a little bit, most of it, but everyone keeps telling me I need to watch John Wick 3. Well, I haven't even seen John Wick 2, and I'm not a Keanu guy, so I don't know if I'm ever going to watch it, but uh, I guess you could add that to the list too because everyone keeps telling me how great it is. I need to get over my not being in the Keanu thing. Let's get into some classic hip-hop. Two of my all-time favorite albums had anniversaries. Let's talk about that. So today is July 7th, and on July 7th, 1987, one of my all-time favorite albums that I've ever owned blew me away the first time I heard it, Paid in Full, Eric B. and Rakim. And last week, uh, I didn't do a podcast last week, but I meant to talk about it then. Since I didn't get to, I'll bring it up this week. The anniversary of Do the Right Thing was uh, last week, but also... Public Enemy's second album, arguably the best album in hip-hop history, It Takes a Nation and Millions to Hold Us Back, came out on June 28th, 1988. So two of my all-time favorite albums. If I had to make a top 10 list, Takes a Nation and Millions is definitely one, two, or three, and Paid in Full is in that top 10. So these two albums are two crucial, two landmark albums that have to be spoken on. Public Enemy's was last week. I'll talk about that one first. The, the production on that album is just secondary to none. The Bomb Squad did their thing. I mean, when you think of like how sampling used to be, Paul's Boutique and Takes a Nation and Millions to Hold Us Back are those two albums, even De La Soul, their first one. I mean, the, the sampling was just, it was, it was like the Wild West. You could do whatever you want. You didn't have to worry about all that stuff like you do a couple years later and, of course, going on. But um, Takes a Nation and Millions to Hold Us Back is just such a great album. Rebel Without a Pause, Night of the Living Bassheads. Black Steel and the Hour of Chaos. A couple of my favorite songs in there that people don't really talk about as much. Prophets of Rage, which happens to be the name of his uh, Chuck D's group with the guys from Rage Against the Machine and uh, Be Real from Cypress Hill. And speaking of Cypress Hill, I've been playing their newer album in the, in the car. I'm going to do a review on that album next week, Elephants on Acid. I'll talk about that. I played it in the car once. I want to give it a couple more spins before I can give a full review on it, but... Uh, it's definitely different from some of the stuff they've done in the past, and I'll talk about that next next uh, podcast. But anyway, takes nation and means to hold us back. Just a, just such a great album. I can't say enough about this album, and I play it at least a couple times a year. I mean, even the cover alone. I mean, you got Chuck and Flav behind some bars. Bring the noise louder than a bomb. I don't care what genre you're talking about. That has an album where you just you just keep naming songs, and as a fan of that genre, you should know each one. Security of the First World, which a lot of people won't know. It's one of those slept-on songs on here, too. There's no lyrics to it, but it's the one Madonna used for that Testify My Love or Justify My Love, whatever the name of the Madonna song was. But yeah, this album, just all-time classic. I'm holding it in my hand right now. But this is such a great record, man. If you've never heard it, go get it. You know, I don't know what you're waiting on. It's a all-time classic, 31 years, one of my all-time favorite records. I remember the first time I heard it, and it was it was a rap. I had the cassette tape. And then I uh, got the album when I started buying vinyl in the early 2000s. But this is really uh, 
it, it just holds up. It, it really doesn't feel like an old record. Public Enemy, they're in the Hall of Fame for a reason. This album is really a big part of it. And then, like I said, today is the day of Peyton Full's anniversary. And this one came out a year before the Public Enemy record. So I saw Eric B. had posted on his Instagram, you know, how him and Rakim were just two young cats just trying to put something together. They figured out a way to put a record out. And before you knew it, it blew up and everybody was feeling it. And you know, it's hard to it's hard to believe it's been this long. And uh, they just recently got back together. I mean, there was a long time where they were not talking, performing together or anything. And I did get to see them perform about a year or so ago here in the Chicagoland area. They, they did their reunion tour for Paid in Full. It was great just to see them both on stage wearing the Gucci and everything. It was just, it was just classic. I mean, this for me personally, because my, my newborn daughter, her name is Melody, the My Melody song, which is on this record here, you know, has new meaning for me. So I'm playing that record a lot more than I probably ever would have in the past. But I Ain't No Joke is one of my all-time favorite songs, let alone one of the best songs that these guys ever made together. You know, of course, you got Eric B. as president, one of the greatest verses of all time, you know, paid in full. I mean, I want to talk more about new music, and I and I have on here, but I'm just really nostalgic for the classics, the stuff that got me into hip-hop and, and, and music in general. And uh, when I play these records, man, I mean, it just takes me back. And paid in full, you know, the first time you heard Rakim, you're just like, man, this dude is on... He's just different. There's just nobody who sounded like him. And to me, it's kind of like with comedy. As far as I'm concerned, there's there's Carlin and Pryor and anything before that, I almost don't even care about. And it's the same thing with Rakim. Anything before him, yeah, there's dudes that were really good. I mean, I, I like Curtis Blow, of course, Run DMC, Kumodi, you know, all those dudes. After Rakim, it's almost like, it's like a whole new... It's hard to explain, but it's just like there's just the, the, the whole game of emceeing was on another level. This album paid in full. There's a couple songs in here that, you know, kind of feel like that era. So they don't ha- they don't stand the test of time as well. But that being said, I mean, you hear this dude rhyming on here in a production by Eric B. as well as Marley Maul. Marley Maul did a lot of production on here. You start to realize that this was something that this was the new style, the way of, of his his laid back monotone flow. But. The, the wordplay and the way he would mince words together, it, it was just unquestionable at that time. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, you could keep making all your lists and put all these goofs like Little Wayne or all these clowns like Drake in there. That's fine if you, that's, that's what you want to put in there. But as far as I'm concerned, Rakim, Karis One, Kane, these are the dudes that laid it down and nobody's touching them. As far as these new cats, you know, I'll take Nas over any of these guys that are out now. But as I said, Eric B. and Rakim paid in full, all-time classic album. Go go ahead and cop it. If you've never heard it, find it online. Check out I Ain't No Joke. Check out Eric B. as president. I mean, you will not be disappointed. I Know You Got Soul is another classic on here. Move the crowd. I big up to the anniversaries of two of my all-time favorite records. Two of the hip-hop's greatest albums, probably top ten in most people's. Eric B. and Rakim's paid in full and public enemies it takes a nation of millions to hold us back time for you to leave assholes you heard what kirk acevedo said it's time for me to get out of here want to thank everybody for checking out the show and listening to the last few episodes and hoping to work on some new things i got a couple other guests in line hoping to have them in the next couple weeks here so stay tuned for that but uh, as always thanks for checking out the show find us on podcast.com itunes apple podcast blueberry Castbox, mixcloud um, you just follow the show on twitter at infinite banter and uh, my twitter handle dj soundwave 75 i'm constantly posting about it 
I'm trying to like hit you over the head with it so some of you guys have listened to it. I did a show, the last one, with Zeta Zhang. She gave a lot of insight on what's it like being an indie wrestler. I talked to my uh, guy, MC Confucius, out from New Jersey, and his new album, King and the Pope, and look for that. That album's doing well. My guy, DJ Real One, Lost Gems. I mean, there's so many things I like to talk about on here. That's why it's called Infinite Banter. I like to bring props and respect to people who are doing things that I want you guys to know about. So I'm going to put it out there. So just check uh, the Twitter, Facebook at Infinite Banter, Instagram, DJ Soundwave 75. So I appreciate everybody for listening, subscribing, downloading. Feel free to comment. Tell me anything you think about the shows. And do I need to really watch Roadhouse? I'd love to hear some feedback from you guys. Is Roadhouse something I need to watch? Because I honestly don't really know if I care about watching this thing. I don't want to watch a shirtless Patrick Swayze movie for 90 minutes. But if somebody out there tells me I need to watch it, maybe I'll do it. But uh, I'll put that with Bloodsport, I guess, as movies I need to watch. There was a long time I didn't watch Breakfast Club and Goonies. Those were two movies from my childhood that I didn't watch. I didn't care about Breakfast Club because I felt like I couldn't relate to a bunch of whiny suburbanites growing up on the north side of Chicago. So I never watched it. And eventually I kept getting you know bothered and bothered. And like six years ago, I want to say five years ago, I finally watched the stupid thing. And I'm good. I'll never watch it again. I, it's, I I get it. I get why people like it, but I can give a shit about it. It's a, I think it's it's stupid. I, I don't care. It's a bunch of whiny brats and detention. I'm good. And Goonies, if I would have watched it when I was eight, I would have liked it. The problem was I watched it when I was 38, and I couldn't stand it. And it's just screaming kids the whole time, and it was it was annoying. And I was good, and I will never watch that ever again. I'm hoping that if I ever get around to watching Roadhouse and Bloodsport that I won't have the same reaction to where I was just like, ugh, I really wasted my time and didn't need to ever watch those movies. So thanks for checking out the show. Appreciate that. As always, you can find us on those platforms I just mentioned earlier. Infinite Banter, big up for listening. I'll catch you guys next time. I'll do a review on that Walking Dead 193, the final issue of the Walking Dead comic book. And I want to talk about the new Cypress Hill album elephants on acid i'm out of here time for me to bounce i'll see you guys next time i'm out